Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, I want to thank Thomas's English Muffins for sponsoring the happy hour today. You guys have a question for you. Do you think it's possible to have a Thomas's English Muffin for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner? Duh, of course it is. Start with a buttered cinnamon raisin English muffin for breakfast, then a green goddess on a light multigrain for lunch, and a lamb burger flanked by the OG flavor for dinner. Of course it's possible, you guys. Thomas's, wake up to what's possible. Hey friends, welcome to the last episode of March. We are almost to April. I cannot even believe it, but a lot of fun stuff is coming up. So I want to say that this weekend, I'll actually be at the Sparrow Conference, which is in Dallas, Texas. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. I say this all the time. It's one of my favorite conferences I get to go to and be a part of. If you're interested about it, go listen to episode number 227 when I interview my friend Rachel Joy, and we talk all about how the Sparrow Conference actually started. But today's happy hour is with my friend, Jennifer Welker. Jennifer owns a beautiful jewelry company called Golden Thread. It is so beautiful. She gifted me with two pieces and I love my engraved piece that she gave me. It's so beautiful. It's perfect for Mother's Day too. You guys should check it out. She's a mom to three with a fourth on the way. She's married to her childhood best friend. And the way I found out about her was my friend, Becca, who also does a lot of photography for me. She emailed me one day and said she had recently met this woman and had the most amazing God story. And I needed to know about it. She said, you've got to hear it for yourself, Jamie. So we did a little digging and lo and behold, she was not lying. Becca was right. Jennifer's story has the hand of God all over it. Jennifer sat down with me in my studio to share the story of what she calls her double life. She talks about recognizing how this pattern of living one way on the outside while being completely different on the inside began early in her childhood, almost as early as she can remember. And then she talks about what life has been like in her own heart, in her marriage, in her family, in her business, in her community, since everything fell apart when her affair was exposed. This conversation was super vulnerable for Jennifer and super hard, but you are going to hear the confidence of a woman who knows she is desperately in need of a savior. You're also going to hear the confidence of a woman who believes what God says about her. You're also going to hear the confidence of a woman who is still putting in the hard work of rebuilding her life and her marriage through weekly counseling. I can tend to get on a soapbox about a few things in this episode, and particularly in the times when I feel as though people might think, how could she do that? Or I would never. Let me just say real quick that I honestly, I hope you never do. Oh, I hope that you never, ever have to even walk through anything that Jennifer has walked through. But I will say this thought of how could she or I would never, this sometimes happens when we talk about things that seems though we would put them in the the quote unquote worst sin bucket. But here's what I want to remind us is I want us to be people who are on guard 
at all times about such things. To think that you could never is to think that you are above sin and you are above the schemes of the devil. Friends, here's what I want us to do. I want us to realize how easily our own hearts could turn. And by realizing that, we need to tether them to God's Word and to our community and to pursue God faithfully. We are not better than Jennifer. I want you to remember that. Okay, I'm going to step off my soapbox for a minute. Also, in case you think I'm only saying this to you guys, that last few seconds of soapbox mess, that's for me too. I'm constantly reminding myself when I hear stories like this of, God, please, please let me remember that I am not too far above this. Guys, make sure that you're following me over on Instagram. It's at Jamie Ivy. I love seeing when you share about the happy hour or my book, if you only knew. Did you know that you can use a hashtag? So if you share about the happy hour, use hashtag the happy hour Jamie Ivy. Or if you share about my book, if you only knew, use the hashtag if you only knew book. Guys, we made a shareable for you to use about the happy hour. Check out my Instagram highlights under shareable to screenshot and share with your friends the three things that you're loving. I love asking my guests that, and we love seeing what you're loving as well. So go check out my Instagram at Jamie Ivy. Okay, y'all, here is my conversation with Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, Jamie, thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy you're here. And I would like to let everyone know, not to be jealous, but this is our very first studio audience interview. It's like a party. It is a party in here. We have we three extra Woo! people. <laughs> yes. The crew came up from Houston today. I love it. Your mom's here, your best friend, uh-huh. your friend Becca, who's yes. also a friend of mine. Yes. Okay, but I'm glad you came up from Houston today. I know, me too. Thank you. Okay, introduce yourself to people with your little 30-second. Just tell me who you are. Okay, hi, guys. I'm Jennifer Welker uh, from Houston, and I am— Like um, Houston, Houston? Because Houston, Houston is like a country. So I am from Sugarland, <gasps> a suburb— I was married in Sugarland. Really? Mm-hmm. I grew Where? up in Missouri City. Oh my goodness! I went to Elkins High School. Stop it! I was zoned to Dulles, but I went to another. I went to a private school in the city of. Where'd Houston. you go? Second Baptist. <gasps> my mom was uh, the secretary at Second Baptist. No, who? Karen Beakley. Stop it! How old are you? Though? I never knew your maiden name. Yeah, I'm 35. How? Graduated in 2001. Okay, I'm school. 40. I think that she had already left. But I know that name. We she were was, lifers there. She like, was the secretary to the principal. That is hysteria. What a small world. So back when I was growing up in Sugarland, like there was no private schools out there. And my so brother my parents, went to Fort Bend Baptist Academy, which didn't which open until I was yep. like in middle school. And okay, yeah. And so we yeah. went. We drove into Second Baptist every day from kinder through twelfth grade. You could have got a ride with my mama. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had known. There was a lot of kids out there that actually carpooled in. What's your maiden name? Because I'm gonna have to tell Jennifer her. Jennifer McKenzie. Okay, mom, because she listens to all my shows. Yes, mom. Hi. We McKenzie family. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my you moms grew up, are like nodding her head. Yes. I know her. I know her. You grew up in Sugarland. Uh, grew up in Sugarland, and now we live in in actual Houston. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, my kids do not go to private school; they go to a public school that we're zoned to. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm married to my best friend and most favorite person ever, Ellis, who I met when we were three out in Sugarland, like neighborhood friends, best friends our whole lives. Didn't get married till we were 24, but we've been married for 11 years. Miraculous story. And we have three kids, the joys of our lives. Noah, who's eight, Mackenzie, my maiden name, is six, and Graham is four. And then we have a fourth on the way, a daughter due July 2nd. So do you have a name? We are so excited. Um, when you hear my story, you'll understand why, but we really want Grace to be part of the name because it is a miraculous story of Grace in our lives. And I feel like to not name her, that would be just a, a a crying shame because obviously this is a gift from the Lord. And so we're thinking Hannah Grace. Oh, I like which it. Which is like 
fit means favor mm-hmm. and grace and then grace because we needed a double portion of I love it. it. Don't you we know? all, right? Don't we all? So, yes. Okay, so really sweet. So that's me. And in a nutshell. You are going to tell us your story and I've read your story and it is a miraculous story. It is. And so our mutual friend Becca yes. is the one who said, "Jamie, you got to get this girl on your show. And um, we hear that every day of our lives. Sure. But when it's someone that I know and trust, I'm like, okay, tell me more. Tell me me more. And so I read your story, and we're going to get into it. But Mm -hmm. I want to let you know that I'm so thankful for you for sharing your story because my big thing is, you know, Mm -hmm. own your story. Share your story. Everybody has a story. And, you know, that's— I believe that. I'll stand on that. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make it easy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make it easy to share because it's not. It's hard to be vulnerable. Sure. And so thank you for coming in today to be vulnerable. Well, thanks for having me. It was a really crazy way how you found out about the story through my little brother, Josh. But I think God has, you know, what he does, it's, you know, he changes you. He comes in and he radically alters your heart and life. And then he removes the shame from it, which is a miracle in and of itself so that you're free to go talk about it. Okay, so Jennifer, before we get into your story, tell us about your jewelry company. Because first of all, I just need you to know that when you sent in information about it and you told me all the people that are wearing it, I was like, girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot I sent that to you in the questionnaire. Yes. Um, yes. What? I know that's crazy, right? So, like, I went to UT, like we just talked about. Yes. And I'm a nurse, like, I have a degree in nursing. Okay. And worked for a number of years in the Texas Medical Center in Houston as a neonatal ICU nurse. And, t- you know, tough job. I would come home, like, really, it was, a, we saw a lot of death, lots of very difficult scenarios, um, some really miraculous things too, but overwhelmingly some really sad stories. So I would come home, newlywed, married to Ellis, and it was, like, too much grief. Some people, like, knit. Some people read. I would come home, and, like, I'm cr- super creative. I would make jewelry, like, on the floor of our little town home for me, like a grief outlet, like nothing more. I've always loved jewelry. I loved to design. Like, when I was little, I've always wanted to do this. But it was just, like, I needed some outlet. This was too much for my brain to take. So that's how Golden Thread is the name of the company. That's how it was born is because I just started it as a hobby, like, for me personally. And slowly over some time, like God opened like some pretty crazy doors to, you know, actually start a company. So that started eight years ago and God had opened the door so much to a bunch of different celebrities and media and press. Like it was sort of bizarre. Like we were working out of my guest room and like Pippa Middleton and like Taylor Swift were like wearing, it was bizarre. And we were like on the cover of Vogue magazine. It was just weird. And you're like, God, what are you doing? I'm like, Ellis is helping me like engrave orders. Like it just is, there's nothing cool about it. And so it should show you that the things you see in magazines and all over social media, like aren't really reality. (laughs) So because you're working in your guest room. Yes. And that was like, so we moved out like five years ago into an actual office. Like I had like five girls working for me in my guest room, Uh like morning to night. And Ellis would come home and be like, I I need to like come home to just you. So you need to leave. Yes. Uh And get out of the office. And you know, we had kids at the time. It was just like a And he's a business guy. He has been the one that has really come alongside and helped guide, you know, money, where it should go, just business advice, because I clearly, I'm a creative. I'm super like in the clouds Mm -hmm. with that. And he sort of like brings me back down to reality. And it's been a wild entrepreneurial ride, but it's been awesome. I think that's what people need to know is that when Pippa Middleton, did she get married? She got married. Do you know her name now? 
I don't know I her don't name. I don't know her name either. We'll just call her Pippa. I mean, is that yeah, how you say do you even need a last name? I'm just kidding. I don't know. Just the Middleton family, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but when she's wearing your jewelry, people would think, oh my gosh, this company has got to be ginormous yes. and started. And Correct. no, it started in on the floor, on the floor. when you would right. come home from nursing because you were grieving over what you were seeing. Completely. And that's how it started. I love yes. stories like that. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I right? love it. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. Eight years in. Eight years in. It's so awesome. I mean, okay. I can't even tell you. So yes, that's what we do now. And um, it's cool to like bring up my kids and get to that, like get them to see how all this works. And yeah. I love designing and sketching. It's okay. With it's a good all outlet. the people that you listed that have worn your jewelry, mm-hmm. who do you, who's like your dream that you would see them wearing your jewelry? I mean, Jennifer Aniston. I oh. love her. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple opportunities that we had with her. Like we were... She was on the cover of Glamour magazine not too long ago, and they requested we send a bunch of stuff for the cover with all these J, like her initials on it, and she was shot in it, but then it didn't go to print. Uh, so it was like, I know she wore it, but I can't claim it. It's silly. And you got to hold all that loosely. Honestly, when I started so the business- So is that how things like that work? They yes. come to you and they say, hey, yes. we're shooting. Send us a bunch of Correct. stuff, and yes. you just never know. Correct. I'm going to start doing that. Like, hey, sure. my friend Becca is taking a picture of me today. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. Send me all You probably get stuff. sent a ton of stuff. You probably get sent a lot of stuff. Oh, uh, I do, but- It's an honor. I, I, I mean, that's a big I'm deal. I'm not requesting stuff. <laughs> well, they do it like in the magazines. Like, you know, like- so if in I'm style magazine Vogue, would call us the top of the cover of Vogue. Okay, correct. Gotcha. And they're having all these samples sent, and you just never know if you're going to be in it or not. So you have to hold it all loosely. And I think my favorite thing to say is that that's what I hate about social media is that all we post are the yeses. You know, we got on the Today Show. Look at us, we're so awesome. People are like, wow. I'm like, but you didn't see the thousand no's. Exactly. I don't post the no's. Mm-hmm. So we get rejected all the time. We do not feel awesome most days. Yeah. Um, but that's the story. Is it's like me it. showing you a picture of my kids doing all their chores. You didn't see yeah. what happened the day before right. when I was like, I'm going to make all of you sleep outside. Correct. If you, I don't put that on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Let's talk about your story. You're crazy. Um, and so I told you guys earlier when you were listening mm-hmm. is that Becca, our mutual friend, um, through your brother, Josh, mm-hmm. told me about your story. Um, and one thing that I really, really appreciate Mm-hmm. is um, the way that you view your story through the lens of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that you can look at something that you probably are like, I wish that I wouldn't have had to go through this. I wish that this wouldn't have sure. happened. But you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when I hear from you and what I read is that you can actually look at what has transpired in your life and say, God, you were using this for so much good. Correct. So tell me your story. And I'm going to ask questions, but just start Mm -hmm. um, wherever you want to start with your story. um, And let's go dive into that. Yeah, it's a a pretty radical story, but it's a God story for sure. Um, And it's a story, you know, I hate what has happened and I will grieve it until the day I die. But I love what God has done and what He is capable of. And I think that over the past few years, God has really miraculously removed my shame from talking about it and freed me from it, which is a miracle in and of itself. Recognizing that I'm not the only one that struggles with this, which was surprising because I think for a long time I thought I was the only one, which is what the enemy wants you to think. You know, when you said yes. shame, yeah, I did a college event last night. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Especially college girls. Sure. But even I'm 40. Oh, even same. like, yeah. Yeah. The question that I get is, how do I get over the shame? Mm, totally. How do I get over the shame? Yes. I mean, it is it is the chain of shame is like something that can hold you back. I mean, that is literally what led me to the place that I'm about to talk about 
is shame and how the enemy can have a field day with it. And you know, like in Genesis 2, it's like one of the first things God says is we were created to feel no shame. Like that's paradise. And so how do we get back there? And certainly it's something I still struggle with because my story is shameful. What the the sin was, absolutely. But God's removed the shame, I think, from talking about it because he's like, it would be selfish for you to hold it in. And so you need to go share it. Tell about my fame. Tell about what I'm capable of because I, do, I just love the gospel so much. I think I had kept, I was— it was so short-sighted early on in my relationship with the Lord about what he could do and that he was really just here to save us from hell. Mm. And it's like, yes, that's certainly, and my salvation is secured, but that there's so much more he wants to do. And it's the story sharing that shatters the shame and it removes shame from other people who have experienced the same failures, the same trauma, the same woundings. And it's like, why wouldn't we share Mm. about what he's done? You know, like it says in Psalms. Mm -hmm. So- it's my delight truly to share about what he has done in this disaster of a life, I'll yeah. tell you. Yeah. So t- this podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. What makes eHarmony so special? You. No, really. The profiles and conversations are different on eHarmony, and that's what makes it great. eHarmony's compatibility quiz brings out everyone's personality on their profile and highlights similarities on your discovery page. So it's even easier to start a conversation that actually goes somewhere. So what are you waiting for? Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Take me back. Okay. <clears throat> How many years ago do you want to start with the, your story? I know. I mean, I think I wanted to, yeah, give some context to just maybe how I love telling the whole story because mm-hmm. it kind of is one complete yeah. thought, I guess. Yeah. So talking about my childhood, I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. my mom's here today. She's amazing. Thank you for being here, mom. She's my biggest cheerleader. But um, we had a rough childhood and um, our family is very close. And this is something we've talked at length about. So it's I'm thankful for my parents' willingness to let me share about what went on in our home. But um, we, it was a very emotional, it was like an emotionally tumultuous home life um, from when I was very little all the way through my teen years. So it was emotionally volatile. It was very emotionally traumatizing for me personally. I have two brothers, so I think they handled the trauma a little differently than I did as a woman. But um, I was a shame-ridden little girl. Um, you remember I, that from your oh, earliest memories. My earliest memories. I would say like, yeah, like seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. definitely is when that kind of started for me and then went into my late teen years. And it was just all over me. The enemy was having just a a party with my shame. And I think it was a lot of implied messages of shame and manipulation and control. And it was like a performance-focused imaged, managed home. So it was lots of focus on the exterior, 
Um, and that just, I think it broke me. I mean, as a little girl, I remember just feeling like I was defective and there was something wrong with me internally. And I think when that happens, when you agree with the enemy in that way, you give him so much power. And I knew the Lord. I mean, I came to know the Lord as a young girl at seven years old and I loved the Lord, but I think the gospel did not make sense to me Mm -hmm. at all because I think I was a broken, wounded child. And I think you're looking at the world through a very fractured lens. It's like you have unbroken glasses and I think you're trying to, to read scripture and hear the truth of what God's saying. And it's it's coming through a broken screen. Mm-hmm. So nothing, it didn't all make sense to me. So that was, of course, you know, I didn't have a great relationship with my heavenly father. I had issues with authority. I had um, a deep distrust of what he said about me in his word. I just couldn't believe it for me. I could not receive the truth of what he said, I believed what the enemy said about me, which was I was defective. I was never enough. I was always a failure. It was on me to, you know, make things happen. So from a young age, like a really young age, I remember learning very early to lie and to manipulate and to manage my surroundings in order to like produce the love and significance I so deeply desired. Like every child just wants to be unconditionally loved. Yeah. And I think I learned early that I was going to have to manufacture those things. So not only do I have like a break in my soul, I mean, just my inner and outer man did not match up anymore. I was two people, even as like a 10-year-old. I think I didn't match the public persona, never matched the private one. It was just for shame reasons, you know? Do you feel like when you look back at your younger self, do you feel mm-hmm. like you you consciously understood no. that? No. It was I, just what you, how you knew you I think living. it was survive. I think it was like a self-protective mechanism to stop the pain. I really do think that I could not have grasped. I think it's a subconscious like survival technique that I think people just go into. And Which you is don't why even no realize. one around you would realize that there was anything wrong. No. And if you had asked anybody, I was like the perfect child. Mm-hmm. I was great at school. I was well-liked. I mean, from little all the way till a few years ago. I mean, people thought I had it all together. I made, I put all of my energy into the exterior of everything. Yeah. Nothing was put inside. So if you had opened me up, you would have seen like a void, an empty shell of a person. But no, you can't see that type of brokenness mm-hmm. from the outside. Yeah. And you can't, and I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah. I think I just knew that I had to count on myself. And it was that self-savior mentality that developed really early that I was the only one I could count on. God's, tr- God's truth was not for me. That was for other people. And I'm going to go at this on my own. Yeah. And I'm going to stuff that trauma and that wounding down. And I'm not going to, I'm going to deny the pain. And that is exactly what I did for 20 plus years. Yeah. And foolishly, now on the other side of it, you realize that isn't how it works. Like you've got to deal with the break in your heart, the crack, the wounding, the brokenness. Otherwise, it's going to deal with you. You can't continue to live that way. No. And God didn't design you to live that way. So I think it's like He is sovereign and He allows you to make your own choices and to come to the end of yourself, which is ultimately what happened in my life, to get a wake-up call mm-hmm. of like, there is another way, babe. Like, yeah. this is the this is the bondage I died to set you free from, yeah. you know? And I, it just didn't make sense to me. I thought I, it was all on me. Yeah. So— 
And also when you're single mm-hmm. um, and maybe even, well, when you're single before you're married, before you have kids, yeah. there's not much ripple effect for what's happening with this double sure. life. Mm-hmm. You can continue to live this way. It might be uncomfortable, especially the more knowledgeable you get about something feels off here, but you're effectively kind of right. not hurting anyone but yourself. You're exactly right. That's true. And because that's how you are and no one knows it, you the very thing you're looking for, which is authenticity and intimacy, you you cannot participate in. So like even my closest friends, like one of them's here today, my, my lifelong friend, Robin, I mean, she would not have known mm. because we couldn't get to that deep, authentic, relational beauty of being very real because I wouldn't let people in that far. So and you're just, there now? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, I have no shame about anything. And I'm just like, wow, lying. I mean, I was addicted to lying because it was so much shame about anything that I would, you know, it's so detrimental. So I think now knowing that like, I don't have to be, mm. that that was only, it was only internally that yeah. I was like making myself be perfect yeah. or appear perfect. And no one else was putting that pressure on me. Right. And yes, maybe that was something that was desired like in our home early on, but certainly now that's not what my mm. family expects from me. So it's nice to be able to share. Yeah. And to say, I don't so need to be like that. You struggle with this since you're, yeah. you know, early mm-hmm. age, right. 10, high school. Yes. You go on to college. Yep. You're a cheerleader at UT. Hook'em um, horns. Yeah. Hook'em horns. You're doing that. You and Ellis get married. Yes. Yes. Did you struggle with being mm-hmm. completely known and vulnerable with your husband? Completely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And when he, do you think he was aware of that? I think he, so I, like I said earlier, he, I grew up with Ellis and we were friends for 25 years before we got married, like good friends. And I, he was one of my favorite people. So I think Ellis knew me better than most people. Um, and he will now say, I, I think there was something always like off, but he couldn't put his finger on it. Um, but especially in the relationship with like the Lord, I think there was just always like a, a barrier mm. that was up with him and with the Lord, he was just, I think, bothered by small things that I would say and do. And he would always say like, it's not normal that you think like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. it's how I think. Yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. You're judging me or yeah. something. Uh-huh. So it definitely, and, and from the outside, I mean, you know, thinking about getting married and going into our 20s, we were married at 24 um, and went on, you know, quickly to have three kids. And um, I looked like everyone else, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the, that's the scariest type of person because I looked really great. I looked like everybody else. We had everything we'd ever wanted and, you know, but I was this wounded little girl on the inside and it's a ticking time bomb. So I feel like, you know, we'd been married for a number of years and had kids and that's difficult. And then we both, we both, Ellis and I own and operate our own businesses. So it's a lot of stress. And I think I had tried to stuff everything, you know, and here it is. It's like almost like the stress and everything was bringing it out. And I was, I was at the forefront of building my business. And because I was a nurse turned jewelry designer, I needed help from people in the know. And I had been introduced to a man who was well-known in the jewelry industry. And he kind of took me under his wing and he showed me the ropes and he helped me with whatever I needed. So over a period of time, I had innocently kind of put him on a pedestal in my life. Like, wow, he's really taking the time to be there for me and help me in my, my business venture. And he knows a lot about it. And so what ended up happening was 
one small compromise after another, a slow progression. And we began having a full-blown adulterous affair. And it was What year was this? This was 2013. Oh my gosh, I've never actually thought about what date it was. 2013. Okay, so 2013. Mm -hmm. Right. You start now, everything you've been stuffing and dealing with. Right. Now you look up and you are in an affair. Yes. Like, how could this be? Mm -hmm. Like, I was married to this guy who I loved and I had three kids. I had this successful business. Like, I had everything and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to heal me. So it was like just this disaster of just emotional trauma. Anyway, so. So I want to, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. Yes. Because you said something that I think is so worth talking about. You said one compromise after another. Mm -hmm. And um, adultery affair, it is super difficult to talk about. And we Mm -hmm. need to talk about it in the church. Yes. Because no one no one gets married and says, I hope one day I cheat on my spouse. Totally. No one wakes up one day and says, you know what? Today, I'm going to go out and have an affair. Mm-hmm. It's no. just not how it works. No. It is one, like you said, compromise after another. Mm-hmm. I don't need specifics, but just to help people wrap their brain around, what does that even mean? What do you? What would? What was a compromise for you? That someone right. might be listening and going, mm-hmm. okay, I feel like I'm compromising my marriage. Yes, because it isn't how, I mean, I judged people that, we're doing this. For I mean, sure. I would have been like, what? Who does that? Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a, I'm a pr- prude person. So I think it's funny that this, not funny. It's just, it's weird how this is how my For wounds sure. manifested. I'll just say that. Um, but I think I was an emotionally wounded person. I think it just became a friendship where we would talk about, you know, things that maybe you shouldn't talk about one-on-one with a man, struggles in your marriage, issues that you're having, and, you know, just connecting. It's so true, and we—I mean, I, I keep referencing this college thing I was at last night because we talk we talked about sexual sin, and we talk about how where's that line for college kids? We're talking right. about hey, can you be really good friends with the dude, mm-hmm. um, sure, and not be dating them? That's what college mm-hmm. girls are wanting to know. Um, and so, of course, we reference when Harry met Sally, obviously, because that's you know Love whatever. That movie. whatever. Yes. But one of the things that someone talked about was. As a, she was a married woman as well. And she said, I definitely think you can have guy friends. Yes. But the minute that I'm talking with them about something mm-hmm. that either I'm not talking with my husband about mm-hmm. or I don't think my husband will want to talk to me about or listen to Correct. is when you should feel like this is maybe a compromise. Yes, it okay. is. And it was something, there were no red flags going up to me at the time. I think looking back, it's like, oh my word, how could I have been thinking that this was all okay. I think I just wrote it off as I had two brothers. I connect easily with other men. He was being so nice. Um, You know, I liked the attention. I, you know, it was like a validating. It was a business working relationship. Yeah, totally. So it's never like how you think it's going to go down. Mm -hmm. I was not out like in the bars. Nobody, Or like on Tinder, like swipe right, you know. Yeah. Looking for trouble. Yeah. I'll just say that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the enemy is worse than we ever imagined and was very aware of my hidden brokenness and had just, it was just a wide open door for him to come in and have a train wreck occur. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I always like to tell um, women that we're not immune to this. Mm -hmm. This is not something that happens to those people. Mm -hmm. It's those girls that make these choices. Right. It's like we're all just like a couple steps away from this. Sure. And so I'm I am super diligent and encouraging women like what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Literally, someone's gonna be listening to this and it could make me cry. And you're going to keep them 
hmm. from making this mistake because they're going to think, I never thought mm-hmm. that, this, that I shouldn't do that. Right. And so just to encourage you in this moment. Thank you. Is well, there is, I guarantee you, of the thousands upon people who are listening mm-hmm. to this, someone is not going to have an affair because of this show. Well, praise God. I hope that's, that's what we've been praying for, for sure. Guys, I know that you are adoring my conversation with Jennifer. It is so good. I didn't even want to stop. But I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. The first one I want to thank is Bolster Sleep Company. Bolster Sleep Company is dedicated to helping you sleep well so you can live life more fully. And I am all for that. Bolster is passionate about their mission, which their mission is providing high-quality hybrid mattresses and bedding so that they can provide scholarships and funding to a vocational and technical school. And that school is in Haiti, which is dear to my heart because two of our kids were born in Haiti. So their mission is to bring us great mattresses so that they can provide scholarships to these vocational and technical schools. They provide their scholarships in Haiti, like I said, and the school trains the people in skills like HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and diesel mechanics with every mattress purchase. Bolster's premium hybrid mattresses come real springs with a mid-layer of cooling foam for a much cooler sleeping experience. Tensile fabric wicks away heat and moisture, while individually pocketed coils absorb movement so that you can't feel people getting in or out of your bed. Bolster goes beyond the mattress to provide you with a quality night's sleep. They also offer adjustable beds, sheet sets, pillows, and more. Made and manufactured in the USA with eco-friendly materials. Delivery is free, and it has a 100-day in-home trial. Bolster Sleep delivers the rest you need. Use promo code HAPPYHOUR for 10% off your entire purchase today at bolstersleep.com. Again, that's bolstersleep.com, promo code HAPPYHOUR for 10% off. You guys, I also want to thank ZipRecruiter. You know, one thing that we know is true is that hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But you guys, they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, and then they invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the candidate so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day, you guys. And right now, my listeners, that's you. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so you find yourself mm-hmm. full-blown affair. Full-blown. You have crossed every line that's yes. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my question, knowing and hearing your what you've told me about your childhood mm-hmm. and the way that you had been coping with wounds and the way that you had been living um, almost this double life, your words. Yes. Did you feel as though when you were in the middle of this affair, I guess I have a couple questions. Number one, did you know it was wrong? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So yes. So number two, um, and I think even non-believers would say it's wrong sure. to have an adulterous uh, uh, relationship. So, okay. But my second question was, did you feel as though you could stay in this and live this way? 
Yeah, I think the, that early on, I thought this is going to work out. This is like, you can do this in private and get your needs met emotionally or whatever that wound was being met. And then publicly still have this persona, which of course that doesn't last very long. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you feel like you want to get out um, because it's wrong and we shouldn't be doing this. But there's so much shame. Like, I cannot tell you how much shame I felt from this. And you're only dialoguing. Like, no one is in on this with you guys. Except it's for just the, person. the other person yeah. and, like, the devil. Mm-hmm. So you're dialoguing with, in your own head, usually with the enemy. And, like, it's just never going to have logical information being given to you. Like, mm-hmm. it was always lies. You know, I was ready to go to the grave. I mean, I was yeah. ready to, like, do this forever because— I knew Ellis would leave when I when this came out. I knew, you know, people were going to abandon friendships with me. I think it was going to blow up so much that yeah. I'd rather just stay in this. And what I'm about to describe, what an affair actually is, it would scare— it scares me to think that I was in such a place to be so okay with the level, the quality of life I was having. It's just so sad. Just all the compromises you make. What was that quality of life? I mean, so here's what here's what an affair actually is that they don't talk about in Hollywood, right? So it is a pair of addicts hiding. It is two shame-ridden, broken people privately rotting together. And it is full of deep emotional codependence and reckless volatility based on anything other than love. Mm. And symbolically, you're trying to I think heal each other's wounds because you got to be wounded to be in this place anyway. Yeah. And I think, in, you know, you're trying to heal them, but you're making them more infected instead as you try. Mm. And <clears throat> it's counterfeit. It's falsified and manufactured intimacy. And because I, because of the woundings I had, I don't think I had ever really experienced true, true. intimacy. Mm-hmm. Even having been married a number of years when this started, you can't, it was like I bought into the manufactured falsified intimacy because I didn't know the real thing. And I think I thought it was what I needed. And you become addicted to, so like when you're wounded, they can manifest anyway. You can become an alcoholic, a drug addict, addicted to porn, infidelity, Whatever, name, name it. it. Yeah, uh-huh. You name it. There's like, it's a, an array. I kind of see it nowadays as it's all the same thing. It's sin. It's mm-hmm. brokenness. Mm-hmm. And however your wounds manifest, that's just how it worked out. For me, it was infidelity. But it's all an addiction to something or someone. And that's what it was for me. So you become addicted to running and hiding and numbing the pain at all costs. And you become dependent on self-reliant behaviors, which because life had shown me, could, I was the only uh-huh. one I could count on. And you become a self-swindled fool to think this is the answer that this is the key to my happiness and you're willing to lose everything for it. Like, Mm. it's insanity. I'll just say that. Okay, so you're in this full-blown affair. It's not happy and joyous like you might have thought it would be at the beginning. How long did this last? Several years. Several years. Several years. And, I mean, completely leading a double life. And, you know, the like, I'll get to like how we ended up getting out of this situation, but it is, you are like an addict. And so we got caught. It would end. I would go back. Okay, we got wait, caught. time out. I don't know this. Yeah. I mean, like total exposure and, and like, thank you, Jesus. I mean, we were caught. And your husband knew. 
Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And your husband is, well, I want to talk about him. Because, I know. He's amazing. I know. Yeah. But, but it was, it was total exposure, like a ripping off of like the, the door. Yeah. Of the city of death that we yeah. were living in. Yes. You're at the bottom. You Now oh, your yep. sin is exposed, which is your worst fear almost. Completely like the worst fear. you said I would take fear. this to the grave. Absolutely. Because sometimes it feels harder to be exposed. Correct. And get out. And that was what nowadays I can look back and think, it felt so painful, that exposure, but it was, it was grace. It was a mercy gift. It was God's timing. Like the rescuer had arrived and this was, time was up and grace exposed what I wanted to hide, Mm. not to shame me because that's what my fear was, but grace exposed it to free me and to heal me and deliver me. So, but I'll not come fir- forward if you're in this. <laughs> but not the first time, Jennifer. No, you just no, told me you got I cut. was fully rebellious. I mean, literally was in so much denial and blinding. I mean, these people in this room can attest to like standing with me. I mean, it was like I was like a dead person. Okay, so you, um, your sin is exposed. You're yep. at the bottom, but you're still kind of like prideful. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm done with the affair. Mm-hmm. What, what's the big deal? Let's all move on with our lives. Right. Right. Um, but. That didn't happen for you. It did not happen for me. So it's like it's like an addiction that, you know, we were really good at lying and keeping this private. And so it just, communication picked back up again like a few weeks later. And it just, of course, it goes right back to where it was. For sure. So I think that that is very difficult for people to understand of like, oh my gosh, it's wrong. Like, what are you doing? Like, people wanted to shake me. I had a lot of people like, and, and rightfully so. It was nice of those people to get in my face and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but... I think it is, there's so much enmeshment in like this codependent relationship. And that takes a long time to undo. There's lots of um, confusion. And I think emotionally, I thought I'm in love with this person. Um, And, you know, the emotions is what, what are running this deal. My wounded emotions. So emotions are not truth, but yet they still need to be processed. And it just, you can't appreciate, I think, how this works, the undoing of it all. Rarely is it broken off overnight. I'll just say that now knowing kind of a lot of stories. I think I thought we were very different at the time and it made me feel more defective and more shameful and more people turned their backs. And it was so difficult and so humiliating and embarrassing, but it was, I was like, I don't know how else to live. Mm -hmm. Please somebody help me. And And it took getting that like final exposure of like, this isn't clearly like something is not right. I had a very, um, I call it like, my scales falling off moment. I mean, and that is only by the grace of the Holy Spirit. No one else can make the scales fall out of your eyes. Um, Like a human cannot change another human. Um, Like I only have one savior and I don't know why the Holy Spirit picked this time and not the first time to set me free. But I think I was starting to see that this was a very desperate addict-like situation. And I was at, you know, the end of, myself. Praise God, I was at the end of myself. And Ellis and I ended up separating just for a small period of time. And that, I think because Ellis hadn't left, that is what helped to undo me and get to that rock bottom portion of where I needed to go was because I think when you're doing this in this subconscious weird way, I dealt with a lot of self-hatred growing up and throughout the affair and all of this. But I think it's almost like you want to prove that you should push everybody away from you. Like Why you will leave. You will leave. You will leave yeah. because I'm so horrible and I'm going to prove to you just how bad I am. And Ellis, bless his soul. Oh my God, I just love him so much. I wish he could be here today. And he was just like, 
I'm not going anywhere and I'm not okay with this. And he was a broken shell of a person. Oh my God, it's taken years to get him back. But he just felt like, even though he had biblical reasons to leave, he felt deeply, very, very convicted about God did not release him from this marriage for whatever reason. So he was going to stay and he was going to get in my face because he's like, look, even if we don't make it, you and I have been friends for our entire lives. And at the very like lowest point of our relationship, I care about you as a person. And like, I think I'm a little scared of what's going to happen if I let go because you are on a spiral that will end in like just a horrific ending. And I'm scared for you because I love you just as a person. And he just spoke truth over me and he would just sit out on our porch at night and listen to Shane and Shane and he would pray and like by himself. And I would watch him and... It just undid me. Mm. I think I thought he would leave. Everyone would leave. Everyone, because I deserved it. Look at what I did to everybody. And when you hit rock bottom, I think it's the most obviously depressing place to be, but it's also a very freeing place because everything has been stripped away from you. There are no more delusions of strength and you finally have nothing to offer. Like I was so not awesome. I didn't even have like, I'm like just naked at the bottom of this like dirt hole. Like I have nothing to offer you and I have everything to receive. And when all you bring to the table are your own failures, like you show up to the dinner party and I'm like, hi, all I have is this disgusting scarlet letter sin of just repeated infidelity and lying and cheating and betrayal that's when Jesus gets to show up and do what we could never do for ourselves. So I think it's like, God, let me get to that point so that I would finally receive his help. And it was, you know, a very, you know, very special moment between the Lord and I. I felt like I had hit rock bottom. I had surrendered to him. I was in a very low state of just literally on the floor of our bathroom, like, in the fetal position, like weeping, just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, please help me crying out, reading Psalm 18. Like I hadn't opened up the Bible in so many years and he heard me. And I felt like it was the first time I ever audibly heard the Lord speak to me. And, um, cause I'd only ever heard the enemy just like annihilate me with his, just every lie he could speak over me. And it was the first time I'd ever heard the Lord or tangibly like feel him near to me. And he said to me like that he delighted in me, that my failures don't override his promises and that I was worth so much more than this. And that all of heaven was rejoicing over my return to him in that moment, just then. It was a prodigal story. And I just felt like having that encounter and hearing the voice of God break through just all of the despair and the hopelessness of where this was going to go. And we didn't know the end, whether we were going to make this or not, or I was going to even like, you know, make it out alive. I mean, to be honest. And so I think it was a really powerful moment on that floor of the bathroom with God and me and no one else. And he you know, he had so much grace for me and it was this mercy moment. It wasn't, my sin was not met with shame or with rejection or abandonment. It wasn't by a God who wanted to crush me, which is what I think I thought. And you thought that's what I deserve. Like, oh my gosh, he's gonna wanna kill me and do all these consequences. And yes, there are consequences to our sin because we live in a world that's broken and I get it. But he did not do those things. It was the the abounding in mercy, rich in steadfast love, you know, and that's what caused the scales to fall out of my eyes. Like literally a moment, I will never forget that moment, just 
it, it was like there was something in my eyes and it fell out and I was blind, but now I see. And it was immediate and it was a freedom like was unleashed. I could see everything for what it really was. Like no more confusion about the emotions of how I felt about this person. I felt like soul ties were broken off, the bondage. I mean, it was like, hallelujah. Like there was like war was going on in that bathroom, like spiritual warfare. And um, yes, there would be a long process of healing from then on. Don't get me wrong. This did not just happen in the moment. But that's where you would say the healing started for you. But that was the victory had been won in that moment because I received the grace he had to offer me because I didn't have any other way. There was no other way. Mm -hmm. So it was a it was a miraculous moment of like, for me, it was like him parting the Red Sea to where I felt like I had been broken off from something. I thought I would never be off the heroin Mm -hmm. or something. I mean, that's really what I believe, that that was not possible. Mm -hmm. And that God really is who he says he is, that he is capable of what he says he is capable of. I didn't believe a word, I feel like, of the Bible before this. And now it's like, oh my gosh, everything he says is true. true. Oh my gosh. I feel it. I would read verses that I had read like thousands of times growing up at Second Baptist, going to church my whole life. I mean, Robin can laugh. I'd be like, have you read John 3, 16? Like, <laughs> it says that he said, you know, and she's like, yes, you've read this a thousand times, but it like finally was my yeah. broken lenses were mm-hmm. gone. I could see the gospel clearly. I'd met a Jesus I never knew who was there, you know, John 4, the Samaritan woman, John 6, just, I mean, John 8 in the dirt with the adulterous woman, like shielding, protecting her. It was this God I just wanted to know so much about. And he loved me and delighted and told me I was worth so much. I was just like, oh my word, this is, I'm going to go scream from the rooftops. This is like a miraculous story. And, and certainly it's been a very long journey, but that was a very, very powerful day. I, would I say love that. that moment and the way mm-hmm. that you described it, because I can almost imagine yeah. literal scale, scales coming literal, off of your eyes. Yes. My question f- coming forward after that is, um, you know, a lot of people would look at your marriage and say, mm-hmm. why did he stay? Right. Um, oh, and I interviewed— Gave him thousands of reasons to leave. Yep. I yep. interviewed someone recently, and I asked her. Her and her husband had both um, committed adultery, both of them. Okay. And I even asked her, why did you Why did you guys stay? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the question everyone wants to know. Sure. Um, and I know there's the church answer, and you you said how amazing Ellis is. Um, but I want to talk about the rebuilding of yeah. the marriage mm-hmm. from then on. Because sure. I think one of the things— that people feel like when they have done like, quote unquote, the worst thing ever, or they're struggling through whatever that sin cycle might be, whether it be um, affair or whether it be drugs or alcohol or depression or whatever it means, whatever it would be, what did it look like to rebuild that relationship that you had Mm -hmm. by your actions hurt so deeply? Sure. I mean, Ellis is amazing, like I said, Um, and not everybody is called to stay. So I think it's different for every person, but he, Ellis is a type of guy who like faith is his like number one highest, like spiritual gift. And he loves Jesus more than he loves me. So I think it was just, I'm going to just press into the Lord. I mean, of course the betrayal was so horrible. That took so long to undo. And it is a process. You know, this isn't something that happened overnight. I think he was able to celebrate these victorious moments of freedom, spiritual freedom for me from the bondage of shame and from the codependence and all of that. But it would take a long time to rebuild. So just like parenting takes a village, Mm -hmm. um, so does healing. Mm. And when you go through something like this, it requires a village of people to be alongside you. You cannot do this alone. There is no way. Because you need, not only do you need 
godly community around you that is creating a safe space for you that's shame-free and they're not judging. They're somehow miraculously able to see past the sin and see the covering of the cross of like, this is a broken world. We got to get down to work. And so heaping on more shame to that situation doesn't help. And I think when you become, when you live like unoffended by someone's sin, it allows for the shame to be removed so that the real work can come in and be done. So I so appreciate that just godly community of mentors. Like a lot of my my parents' aged friends came alongside us to mentor us. A lot of people my age, there was, you know, several dozen people that were involved in being our accountability, being our, you know, processing place, our our mentorship, people that had been through it before us. Um, we have an amazing counselor who is, you know, he's an addiction specialist, but he also deals mostly with infidelity. And his name is Tim Maver George. And he is like, I swear, like a saint for dealing with me. But um, we went through years of intensive counseling yeah, yeah. together and separately. Mm-hmm. So the rebuilding is, I'll just it's say- work. It's work. It is a lot of hard work. And anybody that tells you you need to go to three sessions and like everything's going to be fine are lying yeah. to you. And it's um, like, we have been in counseling for five years and I still go every week. Yeah. So and I'm still I, in it, you yeah. know? I'm not, also, a, I'm not a finished product. I also hear you say, from what I hear earlier in your story about kind of living this double life, and you even said your friends here, like not letting her in. All of a sudden now, you're at a place where you have to let people in. Correct. Yeah. And that had to have been difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember one of the first times you had to talk to a friend about this? Yeah. I mean, because it was so public, I will say that— our, When you say it's so public, what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Our situation was— I don't know why, but it just became very public very okay. quickly. Okay. Um, so it wasn't between you and your man and your families no, and two friends. No, there were like thousands of people involved. We've been in Houston for so long. Like yeah. people knew us uh-huh. and, you know, we're fans of my business and things. And we looked like we had it all together. And it was just like a jaw-dropping yeah. thing, I think, that came out. And so there was just, it was because no privacy. Because you said you were exposed. We were exposed. Which is a little different than I'm coming to my husband after Correct. dinner to say, hey, I have something yes, to tell you. exactly. Yeah, I got and it. And so I think that might have been handled differently. For where sure. Maybe there was only 10 people involved. But this was, so that was very difficult to have the masses, um, you know, just kind oh, of give their imagine. opinions yeah. on you know, we saw the full spectrum of reactions to this. I'm just sitting over here. I mean, this is, if you're listening, this is the first time I've heard your story. I've, I've read things about that you that you told me, but this is the first time I've heard it. And I'm just sitting here thinking, when I hear you earlier say, I'm going to take this to the grave. I would rather live in this mm-hmm. than be exposed. Um, my first thought is with the exposure, especially your state that you were in, not following Jesus, all of these things, you could have very easily said, bye, Ellis family, Mm -hmm. I'm moving on. Correct. Because honestly, you would have had, you would have had public pushback. Either way. But I think it would have been less. I'm like, oh, look what she did. She's gone. Totally. That's what she deserved. worse. It was, trust me, I wanted to move. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, we're ditching Houston. We're leaving. We're going to the moon. Um, (laughs) And... I'm so out of here. Like, I want to run away. I, I'm so ashamed. I mean, it was just so much. And I'm so sorry. God was like, no, 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 don't apologize. I got no, used I it all. Sorry. God used I'm it all. I'm just sorry that it's just hard. Like, <laughs> I would hate for every someone- bit of, like, literally, no pain is wasted. So it is, it was horrifying some of the things we had to walk through. Like, people were so cruel, but 
he uses every bit of it. He is so sovereign. So it is that Genesis 50, 20, that what was meant for evil, God uses yeah. and intends and purposes for good. So we believe that because the truth of God's word is more true than yeah. our reality and ever will be. So I wanted to move to the moon and um, God was like, um, no. And Ellis was like, um, no, um, we don't, he would always tell me, we don't have a geography problem. We have a heart problem. We have a heart problem. And um, if we move to the moon, then nobody on the moon is going to know that you have this issue and you're just going to go right back. No, you're going to be out of that affair, but something else will come out. You need to be healed from the inside out. So he got it. And I think that was why he wanted to stay was just like, I I can sense you wanting to go towards this process. And he was pushing me towards it. So God wouldn't have allowed me to run away because he had something better in store, which is I had just had to get to it through the pain and not around it. Mm. So his healing and freedom for me were accessed through the wounds. The wounds of the fallout from the affair, the wounds from the affair, and the wounds all the way back to when I was six years old. You know, so there was a lot to unpack. And that's why it's taken so long to undo all of this. So the rebuilding is a a process. Yeah, yeah. A journey. And doesn't go in order. Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. two things I want to say. No textbook. And then I have another question for you. Two things I want to say is this. Number one, um, I said this at the beginning, but— when we are willing to share our hard stories is when we get to point people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's I, no other way. There's no other way. No other and way. And I, as Christ followers, one of our biggest callings in the world is to make him known, right? We want mm-hmm. to tell people about God, his Savior, his plan, right. all the things. By us presenting a perfect life with no need for a Savior, we can't present that to them. Right. But what we can say is, look at this mess. Look at the mess I made of myself. Mm -hmm. Look at the issues. Look at the addictions. Look at the brokenness. And God still pursued me. He still loves me. He still uses me. That is how we show people Jesus. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. Absolutely. And it is so real to me now. And now I'm so passionate about it because I'm like on fire. I'm like rooftop. Like, let's get up and talk about this, you know, in all scenarios. Okay. The second thing I'm going to say, because you won't say it. So I'm going to say it. Oh, okay. Because I know you won't. The second thing I'm going to say is this. And this is my show, so I can do whatever you I want. You can do whatever you want. You're right. Hey, my name's on the show, Ooh, not I'm yours. Scared. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm scared, Jamie. I want, if you're listening and you're having the thought, how could she do this? I would never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is she talking about this? This is gross. She yeah, shouldn't, it is gross. She shouldn't be doing leadership. All of these things. Mm. If those are your thoughts, mm-hmm. then I would take a guess that you do not understand how deep our sin nature is and how big God's grace is. And so I just like, I know that you want to be nice and sweet. I have a really big issue with people looking at people's sin and saying, I would never, and that's the worst. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. We can't say I would never, and we can't say it's the worst. You're right. I mean, Because before Jesus, all of sin, like this is just, all of our sin is gross, mm -hmm. all of it. So- you listen that you spend too much money or you lie or you all you think about is your looks, all those things. Get yes. in the boat with us. The sin boat. It's true. <laughs> the sin You're boat right. that is covered with the blood of Jesus. About to have church up in We're here. We're about to have church. I know. <laughs> Becca can start singing. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> let's have some worship. Yeah. Okay, so the rebuilding yes. is a process. Right. Um, you know, you're still in counseling every single week. Here's my question. We and went through 12-step program. I mean, there was a lot. Yes. 12-step, mm-hmm. I love Tons it. Tons of EMDR. I know we've, yeah. Love EMDR. Yes, love it. Yes. Everybody should do I'm it. I'm a fan of counseling. Mm-hmm. So all of the things. I want to ask you a couple questions before we finish. Yep. And then if you have anything else you want to share, you can. Um, I want to ask you this. If there is someone who's listening, who's in the middle of an affair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
What do you want to say to her? Oh, I just want to like grab them and I have so much compassion, obviously, for what brings someone to that type of place. So I think there's so much. Jesus has an affinity for broken women. So I think you are so loved and you are not defective and you are not the only one that has done this. I I remember feeling so isolated that I was the only one because the sin shock was so great. I think I felt like I have done something that nobody else on the planet has done. So that's a lie. So you got to rebuke what the enemy is telling you. But I think that for a while, I walked around with that scarlet letter on my chest, which if anybody's read the book, but it's like the scarlet letter A, the adultery on your chest, that God can remove that from your chest and turn it into something else, the, that he adores you, that he accepts you, that it's absolutely forgiven and turn it into abundance and turn it into an anointing and a purpose. So God told me one day that that scarlet letter on my chest, it's red and it stands for A, adultery. And that when he speaks, when Jesus speaks, he writes in red, aka red letter Bible, and that he had taken on that letter for me, that he had died for that and that his love is all encompassing, that he'd forgiven that. And so I think that just did a lot for me that thinking that he, infidelity wasn't my identity and that he was going to use my greatest screw up for my purpose. So get out of the affair if you're in it, number one, and go and confess. Cause it's, it's never when you, when you, when you come out of it, I think it's never what you thought it was going to be. Like my scariest thoughts didn't happen. And the ones I wasn't prepared for happened. So you just never know. And I think it's going to be met with a Lord, a God that just wants to heal you and free you and change you from the inside out and revive whatever situation you're in. And even though it takes time, but I think it's like, go to safe people because I had a bunch of safe people in my life, a few of them in this room. And that is what changes lives. They don't change, like a human can't change another human, but the process of them being unoffended and the process of them being totally surrendered and having a full grasp on their own depravity and need for grace was the ability for the Holy Spirit to come in and get the real work done. So find those people who aren't judgmental or don't hate you or whatever. And knowing that it's God's delight to show you mercy, I think that was like a big truth for me to receive. And that you do have to work through the pain to get to the other side. And so like I'd become a master at avoiding pain before and look where that took me. Mm -hmm. So really the only option is to like, you've got to stop. And it's not about behavior modification. Like I said, I, I could talk so much about it's people wanted my behavior to stop. And it's yes, of course, everybody wants that, but that's not the behavior is not the issue. That's a symptom of a disgusting, broken, hurting heart. Hurt people hurt people. So let's let's heal you from the inside out and you will be naturally set free because your heart is now healed. And from a healed whole heart, righteous choices then flow. And um, that if there's any hope for Ellis and I, like we have the craziest story. And so if there's hope for us, there's hope for anyone that we do serve a resurrection-minded God who longs to resurrect and revive any hopeless and dead situation ever. So you're never beyond hope. Well, I am like a proud big sister over here, (laughs) and we just met. But girl, I'm just telling you, um, your willingness to talk about some super hard things— 
that in some parts of your story don't put you in the best light. No. Your willingness to do that and your willingness to say, this is where I've been, it is, an, it is, a, it is a beautiful example of the gospel, Thank that you. we are dead in our sin yes. and then we are alive in Christ. Mm-hmm. And you are showing that to the world. And, you know, it shouldn't be as, I shouldn't be having these feelings of like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you because we all fill in the blank for all of us. This is right. our story. Right. And so- Thank you for sharing. Thank you Thank for you your for inviting your me to come. And just every- Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Thing. I admire you, Jamie. Thank you for having me you're on sweet. and talking about all this. Okay, so we do have to ask what you're loving and what you're reading. Oh, what am I loving? Okay, so I think I told you earlier I'm pregnant with baby number four, a little yes. girl. Congrats. So what am I loving? I'm loving sleep. Mm. I am like, I need like 12 hours a night and I'm about to not have any of it. So I'm really clinging to that. Um, so that's number one, sleep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in on a little secret. Tell me what happens with four kids. Go. And you're not going to want to hear this. I want to hear it because I'm in it. I'm, there's no turning back, Jamie. Help you're me. not going to want to hear this. Tell me about four kids. No you more sleep. You think you're tired now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wait <laughs> until you have a kid in high school, oh, two gosh. kids in middle school, no. and one kid in elementary school, and they're in the play and the track meet and the basketball tournament and the baseball all in one week no. and your husband's out of town. And you're like, I can't be. I what do you I do? always say I always say to mamas with little kids like you're I know you're tired but baby let me tell you you're gonna be so tired when your kids are so older tired. because they don't go to bed. Kaden is up every night until ten or ten thirty. No. Another thing on a side note, we're all adults in this room. You have sex right now because otherwise it's over. Because let me just tell yeah. you, you have to fight for sex when you got teenagers in your house. I feel like we fight for it now, <laughs> uh, girl. I know you do. But what time does your oldest go to bed? I mean, like 8.30. Okay, you're right. 8.30, 10.30. You got two hours, and we all know you don't need two hours to have sex. No. So. (laughs) Who would want that? Yeah. No, right. Right, Let's be real. So also, Mm. I mean, my kids are always up. And so. Like knocking on your door, like, what are y'all doing? And and my son wants to hang out with us. And let me tell you, I want to hang out with them. I only got three years left with this kid. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm always going to choose my husband over my kids. Yeah. But Aaron and I all the time are like. Well, I mean, he wants to talk to us. Yes. Like, why wouldn't we? So sure. my thing is, when you have little kids, um, enjoy your sleep and enjoy your sex. You got to fight for both of those more when they get older. That's really good. And we know. fight for them. Thanks like, for that. I, I appreciate. I'm trying to get I it like in sleep now. And sleep, sleep anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> we have just gone downhill. Downhill, but it's true. This true is story. This was truth time. Truth you know time. I mean? This is the trust tree. Yes. Um, yes. This is good. Okay, There's, so you're enjoying your sleep. What I'm else? enjoying my sleep. I um. I am enjoying, um, I have a good friend, Nisi, who just told me this phrase. I, I was a big like FOMO person, uh-huh. um, fear of missing out. What's your Enneagram? 
oh, a three. Okay. Oh, yeah. We said that already. Yeah. Yeah. And Ellis is a nine. Um, it's a good combo. It really is. But um, when we're healthy. Um, so fear Every of missing good combo out. Right? Is great when you're healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, fear of missing out was like old Jen. And my friend told me about Jomo, okay. which is the joy of missing out. So I feel like that's a sweet season that we're in. Like I'm pregnant. I'm enjoying my babies. Like it's scary how fast this is happening. I'm, it like makes me cry because I'm so emotional because I'm pregnant. But I just want to be with the family and be present and miss out on all the things that I can feel free to say no to because um, I don't need to be that person. I love it. You know what I mean? We live in Jomo around here. I love Jomo. I mean, when Joy Aaron and I are both out, in town, we're like, we're not even leaving. No, we're such homebodies. Yeah, yeah And like, too. there's nothing. I would have never been caught dead at home like a few years ago. And now I'm like, why are we going out? Um, I'm too tired to put on clothes. I'm so old. Okay, so you're loving your um, okay, sleep. You're loving, loving your my sleep. Loving. Joy um, oh yeah, and I, I I do eat a lot of sushi. So I'm a sushi lover, craving tons. Our favorite restaurant was closed for renovations in Houston. It just reopened, Uptown Sushi. It's unbelievable. It just opened like a few weeks ago, and we go on date nights every Thursday there. So that's that awesome. is my that's my like the time I get out of the house and put yeah. on makeup. Yeah. Like we today. love sushi too. You? you? Okay, mm-hmm. let's yeah. do. We'll do a double my date. My oldest son for his birthday wanted us to take him to. What's the rush? Uchi. Yes. Not in Houston. The, not the next level down, Uchiko. No, he he's bougie <laughs> like that. He needs to go to Uchi. So Are yeah. you bougie? No, your son's bougie. Uh, well, I think I have some bougie in me. I like that. I mean, I'm bougie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. People make fun of me, but that's okay. Let's double date when y'all come to Houston or something. I mean, I'm or bougie like, <laughs> this is a funny story. Um, <laughs> I love funny stories. So because I travel so much, I sometimes get upgraded. To first yes. Class. So, um, and then now that I've gotten upgraded more than half of my flights already this year, when I don't get upgraded, I'm like, what in the world is wrong with You're this like, flight? Oh my gosh. This Why is am like, I in the back? What is what, what am I doing back here yes. with everybody? Yes. Which, with like the commoners. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, we always, we always fly coach because I'm married to a saver, but, um, yeah, well, that's I don't funny. buy You've first tasted, class. You have tasted the yes. sweet life. And then this last time I was flying from There's here no going to, back. where were we flying to? Raleigh. My friend Lindsay, who's here, she was traveling with me, and I got upgraded. And that's a two-and-a-half-hour flight. Ooh, so yeah. it's nice upgrade, right? Sure. So I did not know that this was going to happen because we were on like a 6.30 flight out of Dallas. And she comes by, and she says, what would you like for breakfast? Here's our options. And I was like, <gasps> "You like breakfast? What? And then I was like, dear Lord, I hope Lindsay cannot see up here because there's my friend in the back. <laughs> with You're like waving water. with your champagne she glass? Can, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I wanted to be All like, can you take sad. my leftovers yeah. to my friend in 32F? <laughs> you have friends back there? Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. Okay, no. so that's when I can that's get a, a little story. bougie. So you, once I, that, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would want to if I traveled a ton too. I know, I know. Okay, so what are you reading? Okay, so I'm in a supper club. And we just finished reading The Road I can't Back to you. You've got two things. You, y'all eat and read? We read like, <laughs> we read when we're not <laughs> together. And then when we come for together for the supper club, then we discuss it. Oh, uh, okay. So and we just boy did, girls? It's boy girl. Okay. Like, it's like couples. Uh-huh. It's so awesome. So we just did The Road Back to You. Uh-huh. And then now we're about to start Just Mercy. I'm psyched. Get it, girls. I am psyched. And then um, my kids, where they go to school, we have a women's Bible study that we meet with um, every Friday. And we are doing Kingdom Woman unbelievable. Is who, who's, is that Priscilla Shire? It's Tony Evans, but then Priscilla Shire and Crystal, and like Crystal. his other daughter do it. Yeah, and yeah. she teaches a ton of it. Chris, man, I've never heard Crystal speak. I love oh, Priscilla. Crystal's one of my great friends. She is amazing. She's a great teacher. It's really like foundational stuff that 
talks a lot about Proverbs 31 and the misconstruction. Anyway, it's amazing. So that's been a really cool thing that's to awesome. do. Um, my daily devotional, like Paul David Tripp is one of my favorite all-time writers. Like I'm s- kind of a stalker. Um, but New Morning Mercies is the thing I do every morning. And it that was one of the books that actually changed my life, I will say. So, and I've told Paul that and he doesn't know who I am. But anyway, um, and then on my own, I'm reading like- He still the, appreciates it, by the way. Does he appreciate oh, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I tag him in photos on, on you know, my business and uh-huh. I'm just like- yeah, he, no one cares. Okay. Because um, I'm like, yeah, I love you so much. You've changed my life. Anyway, um, one day, yeah. So, and then on my own, I'm doing the one-year Bible, which is cool. Like, I've never actually read through the whole, so I'm in Leviticus right now, which is a little rough, but that's okay. Girl, I just left Leviticus. Okay. I'm doing Biblical. chronological. You know So I mean? that's why we OT. are off a little bit. Got I'm it. chronological. Okay. So I've already done Job. Got it. Yes. So. I got you. Okay. Yeah. We do like, one year Bible's like, you start, you do Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms. Gotcha. So it's kind of nice. You do get a break Mm because like you're in Matthew and that's always very encouraging. But yeah, I'm in numbers numbers now. Woo. Which isn't much different than Leviticus so far. Wow. (laughs) That's really, (laughs) really (laughs) disgusting what they used to do or whatever. And then the kids, we're doing Indescribable by Louis Giglio. Love that book. Yeah. It's so good. It's great. And they're little, like they're eight, eight, six, and four. They think it's so cool to talk about science and God and. So that's that's what we're reading. It is so cool. Yeah. 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 Well, girl, it's been so fun. So fun. What we've, a party. We've covered all the when bases in here. When I'm not pregnant, here. I'll come back and maybe we'll do sh- we'll do like a champagne toast to I, Jamie Ivey's show. I would love that. Happy hour. I mean, I mean, I do have like do you happy, have happy hour, hour beverages in the you thing. You do. Okay. But usually all my interviews are like 11 and I don't and I'm not like trying I'm to a say pregnant guest. <laughs> you're pregnant. Yeah. It's just like I can only eat sushi. I can't drink too. I know. You know. Draw the line. <laughs> draw the line. You got to draw it somewhere. You got to draw it somewhere. Okay. Um, well, we'll happy at hour up next time. Okay, I know. I love it. You. I love it. So thanks for coming. Thanks Thank for your story. You, I um, no doubt know that um, women's lives will be changed through your story. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a woman in an affair. Mm-hmm. It can be someone who is going to walk through a friend with that. Yes. Yes. And so walking important. through a friends with this is so important so to, important. like you said, to not shame them and to let that sin not affect you, but to mm-hmm. see their heart. So yes. thank you for your story. Thanks, Jamie. Okay, friends, before we go, I'm going to ask you another question. Is it possible to keep a secret for over a hundred years? It is when that secret is the recipe to Thomas's English muffin. No one else comes close to their nooks and crannies texture. And because they've kept that recipe under lock and key, no one ever will. Thomas's, wake up to what's possible. Oh, friends, my heart. I'm telling you, I felt so honored to sit with Jennifer and listen to the powerful story of how God has restored and is still restoring her life from the inside out. You know, I'm fully aware with the amount of listeners that we have that there might be someone who's listening to Jennifer's story and it hits a little too close to home. Maybe you're in the mess of an affair and you literally are crying because you don't know how you got here. Or maybe you're looking up and going, I'm making some compromises that I'm on the road to this. Friends, here's what I want you to know is that you are not too far gone for God. You're never too far gone for God. We prayed for you. Jennifer and I talked about you in the show. We pray that you have the space to tell someone about what's happening, even to tell someone about the thoughts of what could happen. Most importantly, we pray that you will run back to the Father, who just like the story of the prodigal son that we see in God's Word, that God is waiting for you to come home. Or maybe you're listening and you're thinking, I can't believe she did that. I would never do that. Who would do that? Friends, like I got on my little soapbox at the beginning, I want to say, I want you to realize that you are not better than Jennifer and the person that's in the midst of the affair is not worse than you, that we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior and His name is Jesus. 
Jesus didn't come for the healthy. It says that in his word, he came for the sick. So we're all in the same boat and praise God for the healer that we have in Christ Jesus for all of us that need a savior. I'm thankful for Jennifer and the vulnerability that she had to come sit in my office and share her story. She didn't do it for the fame. She did it for the listeners. She did it for God to get glory. And she did it for anyone out there that's listening that might need to know someone else gets my life. Someone else understands my story. I also want to say this. This episode is really, really important for friends that might be walking alongside someone who's going through this. So anyone listening can get something out of this. So I pray that it ministered for you today. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers, and this whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Audrey Roloff. Audrey's new book releases next week on April 2nd, and it is available for pre-order over on Amazon. More than 2.3 million people watched as Audrey and her husband, Jeremy, shared their vows and committed their lives to each other. You might be thinking, wait, who invites 2.3 million people to their wedding? Well, her husband, Jeremy, is from the Roloff family of TLC's hit show, Little People, Big World. Have you seen it? So their story is an imperfect, resilient, and inspiring love story. And that is how 2.3 million people watch you get married. She sat down with me in the studio, and that episode airs for you next week. Guys, enjoy the week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. Hit me up on Instagram, and I will see you next week for the first week of April with my friend, Audrey Roloff. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.